0: This is What's the Big Idea from Able Communications, a podcast about ideas, where they come from, what they have the power to achieve, and why some ideas catch on
1: while others falter.
0: Welcome everyone to What's the Big Idea. I'm Greg Able, your host, and I'm joined today by Chris Heck, president of the Philadelphia 76ers of the National Basketball Association. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, Greg. Uh, always great to hear your voice and excited to be here.
0: All right, Chris, before we get into big ideas and uh, some of your business challenges and opportunities in the year ahead, first, just tell us a little bit about your role at the Sixers. I,
1: I have the most confusing title in uh, in the world of sports, and uh, but it's a good one. Uh, but essentially what I do, as opposed to what Daryl Morey does, is... Um, I run the business. I run the day-to-day business. Um, I focus on the brand. I focus on um, the, uh, the the product uh, that's delivered to the fans. Um, and I focus on uh, ticket sales and sponsorship and all the things in between. What I don't focus on is selecting the players, um, whether it's through draft or trade, um, or coaching them on the floor. So... Pretty simple, if you. but uh, I think our industry overcomplicates it. So it's. Uh, I run the business at the end of the day. That's what I do.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's an exciting job. And in the world of professional sports is something that gives us all a lot of great you know, pleasure to watch, it's a diversion, it's excitement, it's passion, but then we're also living through an era where the dynamic of how fans, I guess, consume that entertainment has changed dramatically. So the big idea I want to get into today with you is how has your professional sports franchise adapted during the pandemic times? Give us a little bit of a snapshot of what's happening now with the Sixers and the fan experience and where you see things going this year.
1: Yeah, Greg, uh, it's 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 a wild time in our um, world, and uh, certainly with the sports and entertainment industry, as we're you know um, multi phases in to the pandemic, and we're not out yet by any means, as we all know, but we are we're moving towards this space where we're trying to get back to normal. Um, we're still selling out every game, uh, but everyone's wearing a mask and now we make sure that everyone is vaccinated, uh, to get into the game. And, um, there's been so many different, uh, hurdles and changes. It's been quite exhausting two years to be frank. And I think that, I think we just reflect what society is right. So, um, we adapt. We change. We try to think uh, creatively. We try to deliver to the fan. And I think that's the conclusion of this two-year journey for us in sports and entertainment is that we have to deliver to the fan a product and an experience that's going to make them want to come back. And not just watch it on TV or listen to it on the radio or uh, consume it in social media but to actually be at these events because that's where the core business is if if people don't come to events the the industry um is in major uh, uh concern for for problems down the road uh, yeah we, and we, we saw what that felt that.
0: like la- sorry chris to yeah. to um jump in but we we saw last year what it felt mm-hmm. like with no fans in arenas and if anyone thought that you could replicate great sports experiences and the emotion of it, all you had to do was watch, you know, the live events that took place in the NFL, major league baseball, NBA, the Olympics without fans felt different. felt flat. Yeah. And I'm sure you felt that. And I'm sure it's been exciting to get people back in the stands. I mean, can you compare contrast that for a moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll say this. I remember having an argument with a friend of mine about, probably 15 years ago and this is when I was working at the league office for David Stern and it was with you know I'm a I'm a business-minded uh marketer right so I love the NBA I love how the NBA is always at the forefront of entertainment and really pushing the envelope and making this an incredible experience to go to a live event and this other guy was um he's he's a He's a great person and he's, but he's, he, he played basketball in college and at a small school and he's like, I would think basketball should be played in empty gyms. And I was like, you're insane. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. He's like, no, the the squeak of the sneakers and all this blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. If you want to see, you know, your 12 year old uh, play at the, uh, at the the YMCA, but, um, and there's a place for that. But when you're paying money and you want to be entertained and you're having a night out, like, come on, you want to be around people. You want to be around energy and excitement and noise. And, um, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And the NBA, uh, we have a such a dynamic product um, on the court and to be able to double down and have the music and the noise and the fans and the cheering and the promotions and the mascots like it's really I believe in my heart of hearts it's worth the price of admission.
0: So and, how and do it you also, if- it leads
1: the whole it leads the product, right?
0: Right. You can't take away that piece and then expect to have the same emotional connection even if you go to one or two games a year. I think people draw on those experiences in terms of what fuels their passion for their favorite team. If you, if all you ever do is watch on TV or listen to the radio, it's just a obviously different fan experience. But I want to speak more broadly mm-hmm. in the kind of the business context uh, with you today about this need for anyone who runs any business where yeah. it is dependent on human beings walking through the door. What changes are you perceiving, and and what are the Sixers doing? to get people excited about going out, leaving their house, leaving their 70 inch flat screen TV, uh, stereo sound, the kitchen's right there, the bathroom's right there. You want them to get in the car, drive, park, pay, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not easy. So, so how are yeah, you addressing listen, that?
1: Uh, the one thing that I've, I have experienced doing is trying to deliver a, a incredible show and, and experience while losing. Like, right. I was part of the most epic uh, tear down and rebuild in major league sports. So you before know, that, you go
0: deeper, Chris, let's remind our listeners that yeah. the Sixers went through something that people call the process in a previous right. GM. Uh, and maybe you can describe what happened to the team.
1: It, I've been here. This is my ninth season. My first four years um, are, um, to really three years, we were the worst team in sports in the world, record loss. <laughs> well. right. And I, I say that with a smile because we had a bigger plan, and the plan was to rebuild through the draft and and acquire different picks and and and, and find some diamonds in the rough, which we did, and we created something a movement, so to speak, um, not only in Philly, but we there was the start of making a. Um, a historically local brand, global. And I'm really proud of even the times where we had, when I started and we had um, 3,000 season ticket members, as opposed to now where we have sold out for five straight years and we have um, the highest attendance in the league um, and the most season tickets members in the league at over 14,300 where we capped it off. So well, congratulations you know,
0: it, on that growth and success. What were some of the, I, obviously the team yeah. had to improve, but talked about your ability to bring in fans, even when there was losing and, and how you built that up.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I think that's uh, the the players were always hustling. They were diving for balls. They were putting their heart and soul out there. Um, our coach was uh, was was trying to win every game and he did everything possible that he could. And it was great effort, and it, that, that resonated with, uh, with the fans of Philadelphia. Um, but additionally, you know, what we did is we had an incredible show. You came in and you saw smiling faces. You saw people engaging. You saw uh, everything we could control. We tried to do better. We tried to give a customer experience um, like the best in the world, whether it was Ritz-Carlton or, or Virgin Airway. Um, airlines. Um, so, you know, we really wanted to deliver what the human touch was, but uh, the game entertainment w- became exceptional and it became something that was so fun and um, so exciting to be a part of. Um, and we tried everything. And um, the the one other thing, Greg, that we did, which I've seen some baseball teams do um, recently, I don't know how well, but um, they They've started letting people in uh, inside the ropes, so to speak. You know, you bring them down on the court after the game. You bring them down on the court to see pregame shoot around. Um, I remember as a kid growing up and always wanting to go to a baseball game so early, I could see batting practice. Right. And, and, and that was a cool thing. But like, can you imagine actually seeing batting practice, but standing next to the cage? Right. That's, kind That's pretty of stuff cool. We were doing. Right. Because you have yeah. that
0: opportunity. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That's really cool. And we talked to our players and, you know, we had guys like Robert Covington, um, who is really a a bona fide, legit starter in the NBA um, now. And he was a guy that didn't get drafted and he was just so gracious and and happy to be in the NBA and he would give out his shoes to kids after every game and he did it on his own. And then it would be like T.J. McConnell. You know, he was mistaken for being a fan at games. That's a true right. story. And right. he would take pictures with everybody, and always have time for everyone. Like it mattered. It really mattered, and it and it made our movement um, authentic. And that was also so, the something that was really important.
0: So that was the years leading into this uh, shift from being a losing franchise to the yeah. drafting some top players like Joel Embiid, who now is like, you know, first team NBA type of a player and the Sixers are starting to win again, uh, you know, going back six, seven years, you've been a winning team for the last, I guess, probably six seasons or so. Um, what I want to kind of cover two things. One is how did you keep paying that off once you were winning or did it, did it become easier because the winning sold the tickets? And then I, I really want to pivot into the the now because, you're dealing with such a different dynamic um, with for, forget winning and losing. Just leaving the house is a little scary to some yeah. folks. So I want to talk about that. So maybe. yeah, verse- I,
1: I think, you know, the evolution was that we would we started packing the house and then you can do you don't you're not able to do as much. But what lifts it up is the winning of the games and the excitement that's already been, um, you know, um, really solidified uh, that uh, over the years prior to to getting to that point. So so it was a great product, right? And now all of a sudden we get the pandemic, and we get people back, but they have to, you know, show vax cards and they have to be um wear masks and they are restricted in different areas and there's, you know, different food uh, restrictions and packaging. Um, it's a massive massive change. Um, so what are we doing? We're actually, we're tapping into what we did before. And we're like, let's start giving people things that we went away from. Let's have them meet with uh, a coach, uh, uh, you know, 20 people a game before every every tip off. We actually get one of the coaches to come out and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Let's have a, we found a space in the arena where we could actually create an entertainment kind of like um, hospi- a hospitality zone for season ticket members. We even uh, thought of, and what we're working on now, because we just launched this uh, literally two days ago, was, well, if you're a season ticket member, what, what gives you something that is um, um, a priority, so to speak? You know, think about airlines. I was laughing, I was on a plane recently, and I think I was in zone four. But uh, 90% of the people were in zone four. I don't even know <laughs> right. what the point of it was after a while, right? So <laughs> what we decided was season ticket members, let's come up with a lounge for them yeah. and give them free sodas and Everybody snacks.
0: likes to be treated like a VIP. Exactly. And so you're getting free soda and snacks, yeah. Because like, yeah, why else like, am I you know, motivated they, to be they're, a member?
1: They're, they're our priority now. They're our base. If we don't have our fans in there at this large number, everything else falters, right? Mm -hmm. So sponsorship numbers go down. We have when you watch it on TV, and you know that there's twenty thousand people at the game at a Sixers game. It's more compelling to watch. It it, the energy that it brings also is real. So like these are all real factors
0: you'll hear the announcers comment on it too, because if you are just watching from home, you'd be like, and they're going crazy. And you hear it in the, you know, ambient noise and everything else. And, and that's really cool. And I think, so it sounds like the Sixers obviously have taken safety protocol seriously. You're masking, you're checking vax cards. What do you think it's been like for the fan? I'm sure you do this, but you've put yourself in the shoes of the fan coming to a Sixers game. How has that changed? What's it feel like for them this year? And, and what are you doing to make sure they're they're excited to keep coming back?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really good. And, and you know, but um, it can always be better. The masks are tough. I mean, they're really hard to get to, to manage. I think our society is, you know, m- much more um, uh, used to it, uh, but it doesn't make it great. Right. So the mask yeah. is a tricky one that we're going to have to keep uh, figuring out on. OK, well, well, if we have to wear masks and we got to we got to double down on something else. And um, I think access uh, and that's tough with like player access and things like that, because all the safety protocols and and, and things of that nature. But I, what I like to think is that you can find um, items and merchandise and special benefits that a regular person wouldn't get that a season ticket member can get. I want to feel like I'm in an exclusive club if I'm a season ticket member.
0: Got it. And I think that that could extend to businesses of all types, right? Because if you want people to engage with your brand, whether that's a store, even online and, and spend their money and kind of step up a level, right? A season ticket holder is a step up. If you're going to buy, make that financial commitment, make that time commitment, I want to feel special. Um, and so what business guidance would you share with people who might run a store, who might run a retail operation, who might run something where you just need people to show up sometimes? Even if it's B2B and you want yeah. people to come into your office to do a strategy and planning session, it sounds like one of your driving you know, lights is make them feel special. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I think that. One, you need to have the human touch. Um, you need to actually talk to people, or even more importantly, listen. And um, that—that's—that's that's like the first stage. I think that what our our society is really um, facing right now is the lack of people out there that are working. It's and it's hard. Like you know, when you have less people working in restaurants, or less people working in um, in any kind of um, hospitality industry, uh, retail, what have you, it's extremely frustrating, and it's a shame because those people that are working are, you know, probably working double, and um, you know we've had our own um, uh, problems and, and uh, concerns with with getting the the people back to work, and and that's. Um, I think that that's where we have to address first and foremost, bring, bring the humans back.
0: Chris, uh, it's, I know your job to kind of make sure the Sixers are operating as a successful business as the other side of the house takes care of the product that hits the floor every night. Where do you see the sports industry going uh, post pandemic? Let's look out five years. Let's say, You know, that the threat of, uh, you know, COVID is minimized, that maybe it becomes endemic and not as scary. Hopefully we get there as soon as we possibly can or it goes away. But what lasting changes do you think are going to happen in the sports world because of what we've all been through the last couple of years?
1: It's a great question. Um, You know, it's just been so much turmoil. And change from the bubbles to lot to to nothing to shutting down games, postponing games to partial arenas to full arenas and cardboard cutouts and all the other nonsense. Like it's been really really rough. Um, I think I think our industry is going to need to reinvent themselves. And I what I mean by that is. If you think about Greg, you're old enough. You you you've been around. Like you you were you were around when the Orioles were in Memorial Stadium, and then they go into Camden Yards. I just saw a um, uh, something on Twitter about Camden Yards turning thirty, and I really felt old. And <laughs> yep, um, me too. <laughs> and I'm like, this is like arguably the the one of the greatest places to uh, to experience an event. Uh, a baseball game it's just a a beautiful iconic and smart building 30 years later right well what's that experience going to look like and and are we do people want it to be the same or do they want it to be reinvented and are there too many seats in there because now all of a sudden it's people don't want to go to as many games and events as they did in the past like we have to we have to consider all these and Uh, the one thing that we did at the 76ers when we had very few fans was you know the average nba team had about uh 12 sales reps to selling ticket season ticket plans and um you know what we decided to do was let's get analytics in this and if we doubled the amount could what would the roi be on this right and all of a sudden we doubled it and we're like wow this is a piece of cake let's double it again and before you knew it, a year later, we had over a hundred sales reps. Oh, wow. And they were paying for themselves. Yeah. Nine weeks. They had paid for themselves.
0: In other words, you 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 almost tenfold the number of average um, sales yes. reps because you figure, let's just scale this thing. And People you know, thought we were nuts. Yeah.
1: And then I remember having a conversation with my good friend over that runs the Boston Red Sox, Sam Kennedy, and uh, you know, look at the Red Sox and what an awesome franchise that is, and in, in another iconic, if not one of the coolest places you'll ever see a uh, an event in Fenway. And we're having the conversation. We're like, he's like, we don't have room for these sales reps that you're proposing, <laughs> okay, and I said, like. List. I mean, you have sweets up there. You can put them up there during the daytime. They don't have well, to work there in the night.
0: Yeah, it is the era of work from wherever you can. Or, exactly. or you want to. this
1: was this was, gee, this was ten years ago, Greg, and so um, so they did, and it worked, and and I think that we have to start. We're gonna have to start rethinking of what sports franchise front offices are are. Uh, Asked to do, are equipped to do, are paid to do, all of those things. They have to be reinvented.
0: I think that that's true, and I think so. And and what about from the fan perspective? What can I expect in terms of uh, my trips to or, or Oriole Park, or you know, your arena in Philadelphia, or going to any kind of game? Do you think? the fan experience will continue to change? Are we going to see smaller arenas, less seating and more emphasis on the uh, TV product or what kind of bold predictions? Maybe not
1: arenas, but maybe, um, you know, listen, we saw the trend with baseball parks like that were 70,000 seats and then they went down to 45. Um, You know, so I think that that is, uh, there's some element of that for sure. But I think probably more importantly, it's going to be um, what kind of service are we able to give and what kind of experience are we going to be able to give? So, um, you know, I, I, I use, you know, football is uh, has tailgating. You know, that's kind of been their experience. Uh, baseball has that you have, you know, the beautiful weather and you're outdoors. Um, there's different things that different sports have that are magical to that individual sport. The question is going to be like, how can they expand on it? How can they grow, make that even more special than it was pre-pandemic?
0: Yeah, I mean, I almost think there's going to be a flip that's going to happen where it's like, even when your team is good, when I say good, you know, performing on the court, you, you still, I do think some franchises get a little bit, um complacent and feel like well we're playing well the fans are going to show but the change i think we're experiencing in society is the um you know staying home is becoming the norm as yes. opposed to going out right and so you you even if you're great you you know the Sixers could go you know 62 and 20 and be the number 1 seed and have three players that you're excited to see perform yeah. and i know how exciting that is but yeah, I also know that that requires effort on my part and in your seat, you have to kind of convince them. It also fans. doesn't
1: last forever. And and to be yeah. frank, you know, listen, if a major league sports team has 30, 32 uh, franchises, um, half of those or less make the playoffs and even a, a smaller fraction, maybe a quarter of the franchises or, you know, five to ten, five to ten, maybe five franchises out of thirty have a chance to win.
0: Right, their fans think we could. We,
1: it could be our year. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> the, the, we, I, I say it every year with the Orioles. I say I, I, I buy the league Pass after the first because they always seem to go three and zero against, like you know, the Red Sox. Or the oh Rangers. yeah, and, and then, then you're like, maybe 90s. they're
0: good. Sure.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, and I. Buy every time I'm buying, I buy in, and I'm like, I gotta see them every. So now all of a sudden it's August, and I'm watching them, and and it's like I'm just waiting for the relievers to come in, and then this thing to go south. But like, I I'm just a sucker because, but I love it. This is what I want to do with my free time, right?
0: Yeah. But now, I can, and, the
1: team and, uh, deliver more and still make me happy about watching that product well into the season when you're out of it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And, and uh, the Aura are our whole separate case. Obviously, they're going through that rebuilding process right now. And hopefully they turn the corner. You know, I, I look at yeah. sports often as a, as a place to create memories with my family and friends. So it's a yeah. thing to do the same way you go to a restaurant, you go to a show, and maybe you go to Broadway, you might go to a Sixers game because I'm going to make some memories with my family. And that's right. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about that. And, and that's the payoff. So I don't think we don't sit around talking about that time. We all watched the game together on the couch in any level of comparison to like that time we went to the game. I think that is the difference. Those emotional connections that are made when you actually make that. I, effort. Yeah.
1: Listen, I, I, it's an exciting time to go to a pro sporting event. Right. Um, so. You don't want to leave there saying, well, the team disappointed me. The parking was a um, was frustrating and um, their concessions wasn't very good. Oh, by the way, it was really boring because they didn't play any music. You know, yeah. like I think we have to keep delivering this product that we've built up. And and uh, yes. Uh, At the core of it, let's not forget, we're watching world-class athletes.
0: All right, Chris. Well, I really appreciate your insights on this. It's a fascinating time for people in any business, but the live entertainment business, I know you have your work cut out, but I also know that you do a great job, and I want to thank you for your time. Now, before we let you go, I want to do something we call rapid fire, which I'm just going to hit you with a question. I just want you to answer off the top of your head, and you can give me a little bit of color on it if you want. We'll circle back for that. But initially, just just tell me what you think of first. Um, There's there's five questions in our section here. Uh, What's one thing that you currently think is overrated?
1: Social media.
0: What's one thing you think is underrated?
1: Live sporting events.
0: (laughs) I kind of thought you might go there. Uh, (laughs) What's the theme? Tell me one thing you've seen in the news that you were fascinated by recently that you saw it and you want to learn more.
1: Uh, the Theranos trial. <laughs>
0: Good one. Uh, and two more. What's one organization or business you've been inspired by
1: recently? Fanatics. Yeah, they just bought Tops. Uh, baseball oh, wow. cards. And uh, cool. I think that they're, they just seem to be five, six steps ahead of everyone else in the world right now. They're on a roll. Yeah.
0: And I know the uh, the CEO of Fanatics is one of your uh, minority owners of the Sixers, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Michael Rubin, um, the guy's a genius, and um, he just seems to have a pulse on what's coming next.
0: All right, last one. What's one thing you've learned along the way at your stops at Advantage International? And the, you've worked at the Eagles and the Miami Heat, the NBA, and the Sixers. Um, what, what's one big, uh, you know, thing you've learned that, that changed your life or shaped your focus?
1: Um, I, I think it's a pretty consistent theme and that is that you're, you're as good as the company you keep. I think that, um, your talent is, uh, of, of who you surround yourself with and, um, and, um, and making sure they're not all clones of yourself
0: great point. I think we can end it there. Chris, I want to thank you for sharing some insights and time with us. And thank you very much.
1: Listen, Greg, uh, I love what you're doing. You have a tremendous way with uh, with the, this industry, uh, as well as with people and, um, you know, keep up the great work. And uh, I'm always here to help whenever I can.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it. What's the Big Idea is a production of Abel Communications, an award-winning PR firm based in Baltimore, Maryland. Our host is Greg Abel, founder and CEO. The show was produced by Martin Thompson and Katie Beecher. Special thanks to Amanda Mantiply and Molly Dressel. Thanks for listening.